0: You are listening to audio from Citizens Church, located in Plano, Texas. For more information about this ministry or to give to this ministry, please visit citizenschurch.com. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. And we are going to, uh, I'll read in just a moment, 15 Uh, through the first half of 18. As you're turning there to Colossians 1, I'll introduce myself. My name is Jamin Roller. I am uh, one of the lead pastors here at Citizens Church. If you are a guest with us, we're so happy uh, that you are here. And and this morning will look just a little bit different uh, than our Sunday mornings typically look. I uh, only have about 20 minutes to cover uh, verse 18, which is what we'll do. um, Four times a year, Uh, we are going to shorten our service times Uh, so that we can have a member meeting immediately after service. And so we're doing that for the first time this Sunday. Hopefully, members, that is not news to you, but if it is, surprise. Um, What this allows us to do is it allows us to gather uh, as members of the church Um, at a time when when more of our family is able to come and be together. And so we're fighting for a time to be able to have member meetings, to be able to uh, highlight and acknowledge how important uh, what belonging uh, means to us and how important membership is to us here. And so the time we landed on was in a time when all of us are here already, which is on Sunday morning. And so we'll shorten the service time. uh, And that member meeting is really just going to be so that we can remind one another of the commitment that we've made to one another and to this place. And then and also just to have some some family conversations together uh, which are really important, especially with where we are as a church if you are not a member that doesn 't mean you don 't belong here uh, if you 're not a member it means that you 're uninvited uh, to this place or anything like that uh, you belong here uh, because you are a believer in Jesus or even if you 're uh, a, a seeker uh, and you 're not sure about what you believe about Jesus we, we want to be your place we want you to belong here membership is just how we have formalized our uh, belonging it allows us to just be to not be confused about expectations theology beliefs and so membership is just really our formal Belonging. Uh, If you want to be a member, our next membership class is on November 10th. would love for you to uh, join us in that. All of that to say, I will preach a 20-minute sermon. Uh, I'm super encouraged that nobody said amen when I said that (laughs) or clapped. Uh, last week, we moved into this passage in Colossians, and it's 15 through 20 is really the the the, uh, the segment that we are in, and, and we're going to spend a couple of weeks in it. But what we said is that this is just one of the most uh, unique and beautiful passages of, uh, in all of Scripture, and so it's uh, Christology, and it's you get these windows into the inner workings of the Trinity, and it's Imago Day, and uh, it's church, and all of that. But what doesn't jump off the page uh, is that all of this, 15 through 20, is a song. You have all of these truths presented about Jesus in its rich theology, but it's presented as poetry. It's presented uh, in artistic form. It's presented as art. And so we can't go back through all that we said last week. Uh, You can catch the sermon online or on our podcast, Uh, but what we have to go back to in order to move forward to verse 18 is, is this, that Paul is writing to a people like us who live under pressure, both external and internal, they live under this pressure to uh, minimize the work of Jesus and to minimize his significance. And what you see, early in this letter, Paul says, thank you. Paul says, I'm praying for you. And then he jumps into all of this truth about Jesus because he's going to squash that pressure, but he doesn't do so by defending Jesus. He doesn't play defense, he plays Offense. And he doesn't argue uh, point for point uh, with the heresy that's out there or with the temptation that's out there. Uh, what he does is he defends Jesus. He argues for Jesus by talking about Jesus. Jesus is his argument for where our love should be and how our love should be shaped. So in, in 15, he starts singing this song. It's a hymn that the early church used to sing. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things are made. He says that he made everything. He's before all things. In him all things hold. Together. It's all of this theology, but it's a song because, because when it comes to Jesus, it's not simply a matter of what we know, it's also a matter of what we love. And this song goes after both the mind and the heart. So if we go go back just a bit, what it means is that as we walk through it last week, as we walk through it this morning, as we walk through it next week, what we should expect this to do, what this song should do is we should expect it to go after some gaps in our life. And what I mean by that is we should expect it to go after um, those gaps between what we know and what we crave, to go after the gaps that exist in my life and in your life, like that thing in us that can sit at the feast and crave things that are cheap, that, that, that thing in us that can sit at the feast that is Jesus, that is this song, and to crave and desire other things. It's like sitting uh, at the fine dinner with the rich food and craving what is fast and empty, if you remember the illustration that we used last week. On that note, Thank you to all of you who sent pictures or posted about the nachos you ate after church. Uh, It was encouraging to see how the Lord moved in your life after last Sunday. So so, uh, I know that I was made to crave, if Jesus is the image of the invisible God, He's the firstborn of all creation, I know that I was made to crave what is eternal and secure, but I desire what is new and fleeting. Uh, a new house, a new thing, a new look, a new post, right? Uh, I know I was made to image Jesus But I am stuck in this crushing pursuit of trying to reflect a version of me that does not exist, that I hope to be someday in the future, and at the very least I can fool everyone around me that I'm already there. And what we're saying is, is if we come and if we're honest about how this song goes after the gaps in our life, what we're going to strive for is to not just know that Jesus is eternal and secure, but to actually pursue him as the thing that we rest in and as the thing that we live from, Uh, to not just know that Jesus is the life that your life should reflect, but to walk in the freedom that comes from conforming to that life and having all of your sins and failures completely covered along the way. And that's what we're here for. That's what this will do for us. So we're back to that table this morning, Jesus in this song about him is the feast, and and if it continues to do its work on us, it'll do its work on us in in this way, that it goes after the gaps in our life, and that always comes out as a, a confrontation of something and a cultivation of something. And so in the last 15 minutes that we have here, what we see from verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. It goes after the gaps in our life by confronting pride, and cultivating belonging. 15 is this. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then here's our phrase that we'll camp out in. And he is the head of the body, the church, This little phrase is about Jesus and about his church. And here's what I know. Uh, I know that church is a really loaded word. Uh, I know that um, you, just by you being here, uh, have some level of interest, value, appreciation, involvement in church. Uh, But I also know uh, and just to be clear, what I'm not saying is I'm not saying that, that this is the sum total of what it means to be the church. We, we believe uh, convictionally that to be the church means we are the people of God beyond just an hour and a half on Sunday morning. But in a room like this, a size like this, what's true is that there are a lot of different experiences that you have had in church. And maybe your experience in church is uh, a lot more similar to my experience in church, which is church has just always felt like home. Um, my dad is a pastor. I grew up in church and my memories of church, there were some that were awkward. There were some that were painful. Most of it was we didn't have a whole lot of money and the people from the church brought groceries to our porch. And so church always has felt like home for me. And, but then I know many of you, your experience in church is that it is tied up in that word are just wounds, uh, of being wronged or, 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 or spiritual abuse even. And, and for you, just being here is an act of faith. Like that you walked through our doors this morning was just a simple act of obedience that took a lot out of you just to do. And if that's you, I want you to know that I am just so glad that you're here, that we as a people are so glad that you're here. That you walked through those doors is an, it, with your story is an act of obedience that God just smiles on, and we're so glad that you're here. But there are all kinds of different experiences in a room like this, all kinds of different expectations even in a room like this. Some of those are preference expectations. I expect the music to be this way. Uh, Others are, you know, convictional expectations. I I expect the Bible to be preached. And and, and look, I I know that in any one uh, person, and any one family, all of that kind of exists. And so what we get here is a simple starting place for the church, a simple starting place uh, of what this should be about and what this should look like. And so uh, I want to, to just look at the word and then the metaphor that we're given. The word that Paul uses for church, it just means assembly. Uh, and so if, if you remember what we have been saying in this series is that you've got a living room full of people in Colossae who are listening to this uh, letter being read, and they exist in this city where there are a lot of other assemblies to a lot of different things, right? So if church just means assembly, there are in Colossae assemblies that are political in nature, there are assemblies that are uh, to other gods, and what Paul is doing here in starting the way that he has started with verse 15, 16, and 17 is he is in informing them about how special and unique their assembly is. Here's what I mean by that. Many of them in that room, as they're hearing he's the image of the invisible God, he's the firstborn of all creation, many of them would not have been sure that Paul is talking about Jesus until he gets to verse 18. That's information for a lot of them. That's news to a lot of them. So they're sitting there and they're hearing the one who created the world, the one who all of this exists for, he's the one who you are here for. He, he is Jesus, the one who's brought you together, the one that you have assembled around. And so what he's saying to them is that in a, in a context where there is, if church just means assembly, then Colossae was a place where there was a church on every corner. In that context, what he's telling them is this is a unique Gathering Like this is a unique, special group of people that has as its center Jesus, and nobody else can say that. And that's not true about any other gathering of people. So this assembly is the one who can say we've been brought together by the very one who created the world, who images God, who's before all things, and keeps all things together, and we're gathered around him. And then Paul uh, takes that word, and before that word, he offers just a super simple metaphor. As somebody who uh, loves story and loves metaphor. I'm just so grateful for how simple this is. He says this, it's, it's like a person. Uh, you've got the head and you've got the body. And in the ancient world, the head was seen as both the source of life for the body and as what governs the body. And the body responds to, belongs to, and is kept alive by the head. And, and here's the point he's making. Jesus is the head. And he provides life, he leads, he sustains. And guess what? He's not ordinary. He's eternal. What you are gathered here saying about him, nobody else can gather and say about whatever it is that's the core of whatever's brought them together. He is the head, the assembly, those who've been welcomed in by him through his own blood, which the song will tease out in the next few verses, that's the church, that's the body. So Here's what I know that you know. The church then belongs to Jesus. He's the head. I'm not. He's the head. You're not. Like, uh, we belong to him. He is, the way that I think the song would have us say it, he is our shared obsession, what's brought us together, what's united us together. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to go after a very specific gap in my life. And that'll go after a very specific gap in your life. And you know what it is? It is the gap between knowing that this is not about me and wanting it to be about me. And by this, I mean I don't just mean church, I mean life. Like, it's the gap between... Uh, Knowing that this is not about me and the craving that wants this life to be oriented around me. And I don't think it's a stretch for most of us. Like I don't think that that knowledge to be able to say that we're not here to worship us or we're not here to be worshipped. That's not a knowledge stretch for anybody. It's a gap stretch. It's a heart stretch. Like for instance, um, let's say you've got new neighbors and you go over to meet them and you're making small talk. And the guy looks at you and says, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a community of people to join. And you say, okay, well, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. And they say, well, you know, I'm looking for a, a place where I can just be in charge. I'm looking for a place where I can get some glory and be the center of attention. Uh, I'm looking for a place I don't really want to serve. I, I would rather just kind of be served, right? Do you know of anywhere like that? Hopefully, at that point, you don't say, yeah, you should come to my church, Right? I don't know what maybe you should go to the gym or something like that right I don't know what you say hopefully you don't say yeah come to citizens we've got a spot for you like that no 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 listen if that's what you're looking for hopefully you say keep looking like that role here is already filled it's like we've got our guy already uh, we have our head it's Jesus I'm sure you're great but he's eternal like I am sure you're strong he beat death I'm sure you're courageous, but Jesus sleeps through storms, wakes up and whispers them away. I am sure that you're talented, but he made you. I'm sure you're patient. I'm sure you've got some love and some grace and some compassion in you. But while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Trump card, Jesus, right? If that's what you want, keep looking. He's, he's the head. He's in charge. He's who we have oriented around as our shared obsession. But if they were to ask, if they were to ask, hey, I'm looking for a group of people. I'm looking for an assembly of people who uh, are those people who worship something that's greater than themselves. They are those people who are being humbled and unified. I can be loved as I am and I can be invited into a body that exists to serve and grow and love one another. Well then, look, this is your place. Come with me. Like that that uh, love, that worship, like Jesus is our shared obsession as a people, and that comes out of our lives as worship for him and love for one another. And look, I know we know that. I am asking if, uh, if we know that that's who we should be and how this should work, because we are people, there is pride in us. There's pride in all of our hearts. There's a pride that says, I should be the head. There's pride, that says you should, there's pride that says this should be about me, life, church, home, job. And, and, and look, I think that for many, this is the reason that so many who identify as Christians uh, do not actually belong to a local church because they don't want that confrontation. Like if I am all by myself in my beliefs, it's really easy for my pride to go unchallenged And I I know that the critique against the church is that it's filled with hypocrites. And I I agree, I really do, I agree. And it should not be that way. Christians should be who they say they are. But that is not a Christian problem, that's a human problem. Like we find hypocrites everywhere. And I think for many people, that is the excuse that they use to hide behind the real objection that I don't want to be part of something where I'm not the point. It's like the first time you took your five-year-old to someone else's birthday party And they sat there upset the whole time that none of the presents were for them. And you just have to say, look, we're not here to celebrate you. We're not here to celebrate you. Listen, and maybe for some in their relationship with church, it's easier to just not go to the party and just live in the self-deception, right? I know I'm talking to a group of people who are here. I know that I'm not talking to you in all of that. At some level, you're trying to belong to the body. At some level, you know that you're not the head. My question for us then is, can we walk in honesty when being here and belonging here and trying to live this out wherever we go, can we walk in the honesty uh, when those gaps are exposed? Like when this humble belonging to a people where this is not about us and it's going to uh, lead us away from self-oriented pride. And so please hear Hear me. Please hear me. All too often, Christians are those who claim to be servants and get offended anytime someone treats us like one. Please hear me. All too often, Christians are those who claim to be servants and get offended anytime someone treats us like one. I know Jesus is the point. I know this is about him. I know it's my, in my home, in my job, in my marriage. It's not for me. And so when will I stop being surprised and hurt and disappointed when I actually encounter the thing that I believe to be true? The head of the church wants to go after that gap. Like Jesus wants to go after that pride and to cultivate that humble belonging. And you know what's so hard? It's so hard where we the context in which we live, like being in the suburbs that will just in so many ways reinforce all around us the pride that exists within us that says, this is about us. For, for instance, I shared this in our membership class a couple weeks ago. I got an email from a church consulting company. I don't know how I got on their email list. I think maybe Adam Hawkins signed me up as a prank or something like that, but (laughs) it's a good one, Adam. Um, Email I got a couple months ago was, Pastor, are your guests having a positive user experience? In all fairness, in all fairness, I'm not sure what they mean by that. I really don't. If by that they mean, was every expectation met? Were they able to come in with relative ease and scratch some religious itch and leave feeling affirmed, having checked some sort of Bible belt obligatory box, and now they can go about their day relatively unchanged? It's probably not what they mean, but here's the point. That's just not the question I'm asking. That's not the question that we're asking. For those of you who are here and bought in and belong and moving in closer, I know that's not the question that you're asking. Like, what I want to know is if when we gather, do we experience God? Do we experience God? irrespective of of, of some sort of user experience, like when we gather, does Jesus take center stage as the object of our allegiance and our obsession as the one who, uh, who, who we exist to celebrate? Like it's his party. Like what I am asking is, is there a work of God happening that can only be explained by the fact that Jesus is in charge? Are there things coming out of us collectively as a people, the only explanation of which is that Jesus is leading and we're trying to catch up to where he's going, like beyond what we can control, beyond the gifts and the talents and the planning and beyond Sunday morning, are we becoming a people marked by dependence on Jesus and deference to him? That's what I want to know. And that's what I know that we collectively, the time that we get together, we collectively will stand before God and and answer that kind of of question. Now, here's here's the reality. I'm out of time. Uh, I could use the next 90 seconds that we have to maybe go further into some of that uh, diagnosis. Maybe we could go into some of that pride or or, or some of the the confrontation. And it's just not what we're going to do, and let me tell you why. Um, Because I have just been so wonderfully haunted in so many different ways uh, by the reality that we are that people. The thing I'm just asking, the thing I'm saying I want to be, there is so much evidence that that's who we are, that that's what God is doing. Like, I would be bordering on negligent if I did not acknowledge to you that we are that kind of place, imperfectly but we are that kind of place. Here's what I mean. There's this conversation that I've had over and over and over again about us with other people, whether it's people who have been coming in over the last six weeks to, uh, to lead worship on a Sunday or people who've been coming in to preach uh, or even just people who have, who have come to check in on us as we've become citizens or even just people who've come and visited our church for the first time. And so we will talk about our church and we will talk about you and we will talk about us together. And, and what they will do is they will try to describe something And I've had the conversation over and over and over again, and it will come out like this. It's a text last Sunday. Thank you for letting me come and lead worship at Citizens. There's something special about that people. There's something sweet about the people. It's my dad, you know, uh, after our commissioning service a couple weeks ago, who just said, look, God is present among you guys. And my first thought was, you're just saying that because they laughed at your jokes, right? (laughs) That were at my expense, which was hurtful. Uh, or, or it's a family who's, who's come, moved in from out of town, and, and the conversation we're having just kind of scrambling for words, and where they end is, you know, there's just grace here. Praise God. And, and then there's just all of this secret unseen ministry and care that you're doing all the time, that goes unnoticed, like that's happening here in our home groups and in our recovery groups and in our Bible classes, like the the comment about us, the comment about you is that God is at work in ways that are maybe even hard to tie down, that God is present. And just praise God that that's true. Praise God that that's been our beginning. Like it does not happen. It does not happen unless Jesus is the one exalted here. It doesn't. It does not happen unless Jesus is our shared obsession. And what I know that even those coming in from the outside don't know is I know the stories of faithfulness that exist in this room right now, how you've suffered well, how selflessly you've just given and you've poured out. And this body of believers adores Jesus and God has blessed that adoration by giving us more of himself. Praise God. There are areas we need to grow, and areas I want us to to grow and be sharper in, but to hear from those who come in from the outside that what is true about us are the kinds of things that only God can do among a people just has my heart so filled with hope and excitement and encouragement about where he is leading us. Listen, that is only a reality here as we continue to declare that simple metaphor. We're the body. Jesus is the head. He, he is the one to whom all of this orients around and we're invited into this humble belonging together, oriented around him. As we continue to be that people together, I pray that the gap just gets smaller and smaller. As we continue to be that people together. I just pray that that pride continues to be confronted. And and as that's confronted, what we do is we grow in closer to Jesus and closer to one another, that we are a people that don't just know a bunch of things that aren't true in our desires and our cravings and our wants and our loves, but we are a whole person that we know and we love Jesus as the head and his church as his body. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for your kindness to us. Pray that you would uh, just bless our time together as we move into communion. Hear me pray, Amen.